and the conversations about the crazy and about the chaos and about the courage to create more of what we want. And I'm so excited to be having our first conversation on the podcast form with Lacey, but my second kind of deep dive interview with Lacey. Um, just hearing more about the massive disruptions that you've experienced. So first of all, Lacey, thank you, thank you. Um, we've moved this around a couple of times and you've been super flexible. Welcome. How's it going today? It's going really good today. And I love to chat with you. You already know that. So I was like, sure, we'll move it around as long as I get to chat. Awesome. Well, I don't know. We're like kindred, you know, best buds, pals, girl. I don't know how that happened, but it just... I feel so connected to both your story and your way of embracing your story. I think that everything about how you speak says embrace, not resist, even though I don't know, maybe you're pretending, right? <laughs> maybe, I'm maybe. not. I'm not pretending. <laughs> but I, I just, even our conversation just before we started recording, there's a, a, a joyful acceptance of the difficulty of the moment that I want to be like when I grow up. So thank you for always sharing that. Um, so tell us who you are. I know your bio is going to be in the show notes and everybody can get the technical stuff, but who's Lacey? Um, well, right now, Lacey's a little emotional. That meant a lot to me, Faith. Thanks. I, from the first time I saw your face, I just felt, I just fell in love with you. Maybe it was the glasses, oh. but, but I, I think it was your spirit. I think, I, and, um, so I appreciate hearing that because I feel the same way. I just absolutely love our relationship and I'm so grateful for it on so many levels. So, Stop. um, we're going what? to plan the trip to Jamaica. It'll be a girl trip. We're going to do it. Oh, it's oh, it's phenomenal. So, okay. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I hope Susan's going to connect up with us too, because <laughs> she's hilarious. She makes me die with laugh. <laughs> That's funny. Almost. You almost caught it. <laughs> I almost did. Seriously, they're going to be like, what is this white girl trying to say to me Why? over here? <laughs> Why is she trying to do that? I know. Um, so who are you? I am I'm a mom mm -hmm. of, of teenagers. I'm a, I'm a woman who has had to overcome a lot of crap. I have had to learn how to love and be happy in the face of what has often felt like insurmountable odds. Um, and there have been times I have seen nothing to do but give up. And somehow some light has come into my life and I'm still here and I'm still going along. And now not only am I just living my life and surviving in it, I'm learning daily. So daily I have to push back on, on my own resistance because stuff does come in still and I'm like, no. Like last night, I had a breakdown, oh, wow. and I cried and cried. like I just sat at the kitchen table with my family, and the tears. Like we 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 um, read scriptures every evening together, and we were doing that, and I was so hurt, I was in so much pain. I just sat there with my head down, just letting my tears hit the table, because oh. it it just had been enough. Right. And then I kissed everybody, gave them hugs, those who wanted them, those who didn't, that's fine. And I went to bed because wow. there was nothing else I could do. I couldn't take any more of them. I couldn't take any more of me. And I just went to bed. So 
then I got up and I went, okay, I'm okay now. <laughs> I might need to go to bed again tonight because I'm still feeling a little emotional, but it's okay. That's what I got to do. And so like a woman's listening to this now and I'm sure she was just like, oh, that was me last night. Like, and she probably is judging herself for that. What would you say to her? I mean, we're doing the deep dive straightening up at the front, but... Let's do it. I would say there were literally months and years in a row where multiple times a week I was crying myself to sleep and just like feeling so inadequate, so incapable. Like we didn't know. I knew early on there was something up with my oldest son. Mm -hmm. I knew from the time he was like 13 months old, I was like, okay, I was a nanny to three little boys for 10 years as a young woman. I started when I was 12 and the youngest was one. I knew what normal little, like, I'm like, something is different with my kid. And nobody believed me. They said I just needed to punish him more. I'm like, punish a 13-month-old more? Like, what's wrong with you people? They just need, like, at 13 months old, they need to be loved and told, no, we don't do that, right? right. Like, like you don't, anyway, that didn't resonate with me. Right. Punishing a 13-year-old still doesn't click with me. Um. And it went against everything I knew and learned. And that was just the beginning. And so, and having people tell me it was me, it was my parenting, then having a child years later diagnosed with oppositional defiant, defiant disorder and being told it was my, my inconsistent parenting. Yeah. And I'm like, if by inconsistent you mean crying or not crying when I parent, okay. But <laughs> that's the only thing that's inconsistent with me. Yeah. is whether or not I'm crying because I'm so frustrated and I have no idea what to do, you know. Right. So I um, so I would say I think if you're crying yourself to sleep at night, it's because you are doing the best you know how and you're just really aware that this isn't, this isn't like you can't fix everything. Yeah. And just like that was – the biggest thing for me, and I still have to do it every day, is just realize, like, I can't make my kids neurotypical. Yeah. I can't make them not be so coarse or brash or logical. I can't make them do it. Right. And that hurts because I'm in a, I live with five males on the autism spectrum. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I get no emotional deep dives unless I go find them. Wow. Like, we need to get on the phone more. I'm like, even just talk, I'm not lying to you. Like I can feel my, like I'm starting to kind of have a panic attack right now. Like every time I say that and I'm like, no wonder I'm so emotional sometimes. Don't nobody here get how intense this is. Like they don't get it. Right. Male brains, logical brains, autistic brains, like, oh, good heavens, somebody please help me. Because <laughs> I'm dying. Like, so I am drowning in logic. Yeah. And some days, literally, have you seen that meme? There's a guy, and like, all you see is his wrists and his thumbs above the water. And it says, when people ask me how I'm doing. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that one. That is the meme of my life. I'm going to try to find that for you. Like, all you see is these two hands, thumbs up, above water. Like, that's it. Wow. And that's normal, I think, even just having one. Because I'll tell you what, 
Our first son? Oh, yeah. Just the one. I think, you know, when I listen to you, I hear the giving yourself permission to grieve. Because I think sometimes when we encounter, whether it's a diagnosis of our kids or anything else, it's many of us, uh, many entrepreneurial women anyway, we're kind of type A a little bit, a little bit control freakish a little bit, you know, and, and so we're just like, this is another task to be conquered. And in some ways, we don't allow ourselves this time to be in grief and, and to allow it when it sneaks up on us to kind of give permission, give space to it and, and acknowledge it as, as valid as the other side of us that goes out and conquers and creates and changes and strategizes. So just that permission to leave the table and go to bed and say, I'm, I'm not responsible for everybody and everything. I'm going to be responsible for me. That sounds so, that's okay. I'm going to take some notes on that tonight. Okay. <laughs> um, so you, so you've hinted at it already. So you have, you didn't hint, five male humans in your family <laughs> on the autism spectrum. What's an example of a crazy moment? Something that felt maniacal to you? Just, it could have been when kids were younger or recently or... Uh, maniacal. Remind me what that word means. Crazy. Crazy. Okay. Okay. I got one for you. Last night. Last night. Okay. Yeah. Last night. I call them my beloved male brains, by the way. So one of my beloved male brains, I had asked him to do something and he didn't. And so I waited a few minutes. I was very clear. I said, hey, I need you to go switch your laundry right now, please. Okay. Okay. So went back to what I was doing. Five minutes later, he's still playing on his phone. I said, hey, I need you to go switch your laundry right now. And he said, all right. And I was like, okay, that sounded aggressive, but I just kept it to myself. And then a minute later, he's still sitting there. And so I went right over to him. I touched him on the shoulder because we know that helps, right? I said, I need your laundry switch now. Get off your phone. Yeah. And he gets up, goes downstairs, disappears for 10 minutes. So I lock his phone. Then I hear the laundry switch and him stomping up the stairs. Okay. I just go to my office. I'm like, not going to play. Not going to play. And fast forward a few minutes. And now we're having a conversation where he wants his phone unlocked because I can lock it from my phone. It's a delightful little invention. Oh, I have to find out about that. (laughs) It's called screen time and it's the best thing ever. I don't get paid to say that, but I should for as often as I do. Um, And he wants to know why his phone is locked. I said, you know why your phone is locked. If you think about it, you don't need me to tell you. Mm -hmm. So then we launch into this thing, and he's 17, so he's getting to the point, and he wants to join the National Guard. And things come up, and somehow we get to the point where he says to me, if you don't let me, I'll just get emancipated. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's where we're going, huh? I said, listen to me. And here, now I'm done, right? I said, listen carefully, Buster. The next time you say the word emancipated, you sure as hell better have already filed because I'm kicking you out. I am done playing this game. 
I am legally and financially responsible for you. And if you want to play that game because you're not getting what you want, done. Tell me where to sign and good luck with that. And I turned around and didn't let him see me cry. Because that's exactly what my oldest did too. And I was like, I am sick and tired of hearing, if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to just kick you out of my life and divorce you. Because I know what they're up against in the world and they have no idea. And they're not at a place to understand that fully yet. It's development. They'll get there, but they're not there yet. See, all four of mine are high functioning. Right. But in some ways that's that's such a a challenge because there is that sense of of course I can and yet we can see the gaps that say, Well, it's not that you can't, you just can't yet. Mm -hmm. And and it's 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 a hard tussle when they're saying, But you know, you're being mean or whatever to stop me, whatever it is. And so Well, and it got, it got, it just kept going. Like as I disengaged from it, just everything kept going and my emotions are like really high. Mm -hmm. And so for the first time in my life, Faith, I actually last night said to my husband, I wish I'd never had children. I really wish I'd never had kids. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I know it would have been hard because I wanted kids my whole life. I know it would have broken my heart. But I really wish I'd never had them. And then he just like put his arms around me and let me cry. Because <laughs> there's nothing you, what do you say to that when your wife says that? Like, I have to go send him a message and tell him how awesome that was. Yeah, yeah. So, and then he just like, he got it when I didn't say another word the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Like, he just got it. Mm-hmm. When I just sat there crying, he just let me. Mm-hmm. And then when I got up, he said, Kay, if you're going to hug your mom goodnight, hug her goodnight. They did. I went to my room. And I was asleep within 15 minutes because it was time. So you have an intense moment like that where it feels like, you know, in the case of your son, this, this son, 17 years of sacrifice and work and so on and here this is the moment we're in um and that kind of is complicated by health issues like so what's Mm. your what's happening in your body like what's your medical situation um crazy in fact i had one one friend say to me one time i have never met a woman so strong and capable and yet so fragile that i'm afraid to break And that kind of sums me up, really. I was like, yeah, that's me. Um, physically, I've got a lot of health concerns. I've got three chronic illnesses. First, I thought it was MS. It's not. I have something called Ehlers-Danlos that's affecting me neurologically like MS, but okay. it's not MS. Um, so I'm slowly losing the ability to walk. I'm, um, I also have Raynaud's. I have, I have, like the, the list is, I've got the ABCs of chronic illnesses and, and many of them come with chronic fatigue. And so I am so tired all the time. Like I'm sitting here fully functional and if, and, and if I had two hours, I could go right now and be asleep in 15 minutes and sleep for two to three hours and wake up and be like, 
All right. I just got a few more hours to go and then I can go back to bed. Wow. <laughs> it's hard. And does that chronic fatigue, like I can imagine, well, let me just ask you, because I, my tiredness, you know, feels chronic to me, but it's not chronic fatigue. How does that impact dealing with kids on the spectrum? Like, how does that impact just the moment like you just described to us? Um, it makes like, it makes it really easy to shut down emotionally right? and just hide from it. So I have to be really careful mm-hmm. that because I know how, how, like, because I'm already physically fatigued all the time. And then right. you add, and there is a very real, like, I think I tell my kids, you gave me ADHD and chronic fatigue before anything else ever did right. because we can't focus on anything. Right. Um, cause we're just trying to put out fires and it is exhausting mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, right. what financially it is exhausting yeah, yeah. to have these kids and we love them and we're happy to do it. And it's right. exhausting yeah. every second of every day in every way. And I, I think we need to give ourselves credit for that too. I don't know very many moms who have kids with special needs who aren't financially stressed too. Right. And emotionally and medically, you know? Right, right. And I think it's it's pretty, I think there's a lie somewhere in something that we swallowed as maybe little girls or I don't know. This idea that you can't really love a thing and yet hate it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yes, but, you can. Yeah, you know, it's like, because I hear you describing the contrast so beautifully and like my brain is... Is thinking, okay, okay, we have to get rid of one, and maybe that's how brains are, and I've got dissonance. But like real life is full of these contrasts that exist in the present situation right now. I thoroughly and deeply, deeply love my kids and um, dread so mm. many of those moments that I know come our way every day. And so you have this pretty complicated life. We're just discussing um, the color of the seat that's going to be on your, is it the walker seat or the wheelchair seat? Have to my, my, my walker, the wheelchair will be lavender too. Lavender, <laughs> I see. Okay. But yeah, la- yeah, just like, like there's a metallic, shiny, light purple. I'm like, ooh, come to that, mama. You guys can't see her, but there's a light purple kind of glow off of her anyway. I don't know if it's the light in your room. Oh, it's my shirt. But you, that's probably my clothes. Oh, I, and I've got a pink piece of paper underneath. So. Uh, so, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So you're kind of shining there. So with all of that going on, I would think it would be easy to kind of play dead and do what I, when I grew up, there was a, um, a phrase that they used about when you were in the union and you went on strike, but you couldn't go on strike because you were an emergency worker. They have a thing called work to rule which is basically you did the minimum amount because it was an emergency service, but you still were kind of saying, no, we're on strike, right? And I can imagine that with all that you deal with, work to rule is a perfect phrase. You just do the minimum amount to kind of make it through the day. But you've added in business, entrepreneurship, and all kinds of stuff to your crazy situation. Why? Because I was suffocating under it all being about them all the time. Wow. That, like people say to me, how do you do it all? How do you write a book? How do you, and then get international bestseller. And then how do you coach other women in this? And it's one, and you'll notice I don't coach other women in handling their special needs kids. Right. <laughs> I can't, I can't. 
Yeah. It's too close to home still. Right. Um, right. Someday. Maybe. I But I have chosen to, like, I wrote my book to save my own life. Right. It was selfish. I coach to save my own life every day. Because, like I said, without conversations like this, Faith, I don't get to feel loved by other people. Because my kids can't do it, won't do it, don't do it, you know? Right, right. And so, so truly, truly what I do is for me. I, I couldn't live anymore without something for myself. I said this to a client yesterday that if it wasn't for hearing myself share insightful stuff with a client, it's like I wouldn't have access to some of those insights for myself. It's a weird kind. I told him straight up. I said it's selfish. I, I, I am caring for myself because when I do this, I get to hear myself. I didn't say this way to him, but I get to hear myself be brilliant. I get to hear myself be, you know, articulate. I just, like, I get to see myself shine. And I think Mm -hmm. in many ways, in the special needs home, what we see all the time, or maybe what our brain draws attention to is when we're failing, where where it's not working out the way we want and where the gaps are, where it's it's this constant behind the eight ball. And so I, I fully agree that entrepreneurship for us, for many, and if you're listening, I think it could be a way for you to get energy, to, to see yourself shine and to see yourself enjoying in ways sometimes that um, it's hard at home. So. I love, love, love that you said, because that articulated for me something I haven't been able to. I get to hear myself be brilliant and capable. Yes. And have something to offer. Yeah. I don't know. Your your son's nonverbal, correct? Yes. There, for the first time um, last night, I was envious of women whose children are nonverbal, too, mm-hmm. because it doesn't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, but right. I, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt as much overall, but yeah. I'm like, they can't say the horrible things they're thinking. But I'll tell you what, my oldest two children on a weekly basis remind me of how incapable and unworthy and worthless I am. Mm-hmm. And I like, I could let that destroy me. And instead, I just let it send me to bed early, and I woke up with puffy eyes and a stuffy nose, took a shower, and now we're good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I think, too, the work we do dilutes that because there's a way that when you're in the situation, all you're hearing are those voices because it's, okay, so it's from your verbal kids. In my case, it's the nonverbal lack of control of impulses after however much money and effort I've spent or um, panic attacks or whatever it is that those things are the things that are shouting back at me or incapable and pointing to me how lazy I was in those days when I didn't follow through on whatever protocol it was and if I had followed, you know, those narratives. And yet we get to dilute that by building something that's impactful Mm. and supportive and nourishing and speaks to the things that are, that bring joy to our hearts. And I think for, like, you've created your business around something that you're pretty passionate about. 
And what do you think is the difference between doing that as somebody with chronic fatigue and as a, as a uh, constant symptom and doing something else like um, doing an accounting? I don't know. I mean, I mean <laughs> something else that you probably could be brilliant at, but that's not necessarily about passion. What's, what's the link between right. passion and, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, I'm actually very, very good at statistics. In fact, I had an adorable teacher. She was from China, grew up in China, came here to the U.S. to um, to teach in university. And she said to me, Lacey, you have beautiful brain for statistics like the Chinese. Huh. And I was like, that was like seriously one of the coolest compliments I ever received. Because, you know, like... That's because, like, to her, I could tell from the way she said it, that was the best compliment she could have ever given me. Right. And I felt that. And um, I love statistics. And I actually thought about becoming an actuator or statistician because I just love statistics so much. But I cannot save lives. I cannot help women heal their hearts. Mm -hmm. I cannot share who I really, truly am. Mm -hmm. and and I think it's like you said, you know, it's just come occurring to me right now. It's like you said, yes, I could see myself be brilliant on paper with statistics and numbers. Sure, I could absolutely do that. Right. And it doesn't feed my soul. It ah. just feels super cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the women, this is what I'm lacking in my life. Statistics, logic, numbers, I get that all day long with my five beloved male brains. <laughs> yes. I do not need that anymore. That's not a gap. No, um, I need heart and soul. But you know what? You and I love the phrase because it does not feed your soul. And I think we we must find what feeds our soul. I think it's, it's an untapped in many of us and many women um, with kids with special needs or disabilities and we're dealing with anything else. Um, right now, some of the women I work with also have, like I do, aging parents and, and some of the situations that come with that. Oops. Everybody it's for to, you. Everybody gets to see the here, the free, the, the real life here. But a lot of us are so busy saving them that we aren't feeding our souls and to the point where we don't know what feeds our souls. And so, I think if there is a message as I listen to you and just kind of hear almost the denseness of all of the things that you deal with, the magic is in the hearing what your heart is saying and finding that thing and acting on it and feeding, enlarging your heart by feeding your soul, doing the things that really give you joy so that then, then everything else can be anchored around that. You know, in a different way. So it's, it doesn't, everything, things don't become, I don't know, like the God. You know, autism doesn't become the God and, and chronic illness doesn't become the God. But the thing that's keeping your soul becomes the central space in your life. And so, yeah, I didn't mean to get off philosophical, but I was just, you pulled that and like, that I love what it. I was feeling when I, when I was listening to you. So the, the, the show is called, the podcast is called Disrupt and Lead because part of the idea is that these disruptions come to us and we get an opportunity to create something from them. And I know that, you know, guys, if you want to reach out to Lacey, she's going to tell us um, how to connect with her soon. And that's in the show notes um, about her mission for women. But 
but you created something out of the various disruptions. What do you think the present day disruption has the potential to create in your future? What do you think? Um, not, oh, wow, that's a big question. I think if the present day disruption, if I continue to personally grow and mature, the present day disruption will continue. Like I use it as the soil, like what's manure, like what's manure, like if I use it, I know, right? If I use it to fertilize what matters to me, if I use it to fertilize, okay, my children may never say mom. I am so grateful that you hung in there with me for all of the abuse you took, for all of the crap. And I am so sorry for all of the tears that I created for you because all you knew how to do was love me and forgive me every single day of my life. And by the way, thank you for forgiving me every single day of my life because I deserved to be forgiven and there were good reasons I had to be forgiven. Thank you for doing that. I don't think my children will ever say that to me, especially not my older two. I don't, I don't, I don't know that they even have it in them. Um, but if I can know that if they could truly witness the two of us, our relationship, that I, I just, I believe that there's going to be some plane in the hereafter where they're going to truly understand. And if I can just hang on to that, and go, and if they never understand, I'm going to keep loving them because I do it for me, I do it for them, and I do it for God. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. That I think that the everyday disruptions, whether it's my chronic illnesses, whether it's finances, whether it's whatever comes into my life, I'll just keep using it as the manure. And like, I, I just don't have a choice anymore. I won't let it suffocate me anymore. But I will let it make me cry. I will let myself cry. So the disruptions are manure. When we, when we turn <laughs> off the recording, we'll say, you know, the other way. But so the disruptions are manure, and you're going to hold that. You're not resisting the manure, but you're going to allow it to fertilize what it's going it's to create in you. Well, and by all means, Faith... I will see the manure that I don't have to deal with and it's out. Like I will not bring friends or clients into my life that are creating manure for me. I don't need it. That's right. I get enough at home. We are neck deep in this house. Some disruptions are by design because they're Mm -hmm. parts of the life that we are in and we don't need to invite others in. I think that's that's a great point that we can set boundaries and just be super clear on that. Yeah. Um, one kind of trivial question. What's your favorite song? Mm, my favorite song. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I forget who sings it, but it's called Do Something. I think it's Matthew West. It's a Christian song. Do Something. Oh, yes, I know that one. Yeah. And he says, ooh, I'm getting emotional. And he says, and he's like, God, what are you going to do? And God yeah. says, and, and he chuckles. He you. chuckles. He goes, huh, I created you. That's and I'm right. like, Yes, you created me. <laughs> I'm going to be the one to do something. And some days that's a yes, and some days that's oh no. Uh huh. <laughs> and some days it's like, where's my covers? Going back to bed. <laughs> 
How do people find you? What's your, what's, how do people get in touch with you? Um, you know what? You can shoot me an email, Lacey, L-A-C-Y, at Her Recovery Roadmap. Um, we can throw that down. I love to get emails. It feeds my soul to get emails from women oh. who say, oh, I'm so grateful you said that. It totally, like, that's my life. I cried myself to sleep last night, too. Okay. Because it's validating. Because it reminds me, oh, yeah, I'm not the only one. And I need that still, too. I need to hear, I'm not the only one, too. I think that's the best way. I can give you a link to my schedule. I'd love to chat. Good. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you're dealing with chronic illness, and you're dealing with kids, and maybe you're dealing with parents, and you're probably dealing with a business, and you want to talk with Lacey just to we'll shed some tears together. Or we'll oh, let's do. celebrate together. We'll kind of do a heart-to-heart -heart together. Lacey's your girl. Um, and Lacey, I really appreciate your candor, your honesty, because some of this stuff is the stuff that we don't talk about, that we don't acknowledge, that we, we sort out and tidy up, and then we put on our pretty face and we go out in the world. So I want to say to anybody listening, yeah, you can do it too, even though it feels crazy, even though it feels chaotic, you can feed your soul and show up and be that person that you're supposed to be for the time that you're in. And if you want me to chat with you and help you figure out what would feed your soul, I would love to do that. Oh, absolutely. I got a, I got some skills in that area. So. Excellent, excellent. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, Lacey, thank you for being here. Um, next time, tune in. We're going to have another amazing woman in business. We'll get a couple of guys, too, um, who talk about the crazy and yet who share the courage. Bye.